This hour of the Bill Meyer Show podcast is made possible by Clouser Drilling. Clouser Drilling is proud to sponsor the show. We appreciate them, too. If you need to drill for water, be sure to call Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Clouserdrilling.com. Happy New Year to State Senator Dennis Linthicum of the Klamath Falls area. Dennis, welcome back. Great to have you on. You bet, Bill. It's always fun. And um, it is a new year. There's going to be a lot of uh, tough battles ahead. You know, I'm not um, I'm not convinced that um, we've lost the whole game because I think there are too many uh, people that have common sense. They've got traditional values. Their voice isn't being heard because um, those on the other side of the line are so antagonistic and so loud, and their policies are actually destructive. They they don't promote the prosperity that everybody imagines, and so it's a lot of word picture um, painting that goes on, and um, it's a big advertising campaign. The trouble with uh, big advertising campaigns is when they deflate, they go bang, and the whole thing falls apart because people see the fraud. Yeah, you know, that kind of reminds me a little bit about uh, Eric Peters and I were talking about how, you know, the uh, even though there has been this advertising campaign for the electric vehicle, the electrification of America uh, for the last, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight years or so now. It's, I, I it, lost you. Yeah. Are you there? Uh, I'm back. You you disappeared for a couple of seconds. Oh, okay. Well, it just reminds me a bit about uh, like what Eric Peters and I were talking about earlier. How um, you know the EV revolution that has been force fed and advertised and ceaselessly promoted by uh, whether it's the fanboys and fangirls or uh, government policy and uh, and laws. It's deflating now, too, because it can't deliver on its uh, advertised promises. <laughs> that kind of thing, right? There's a little yeah, bit well, of that, that uh, that's, that's going right. on, and right? There's always, you know, Thomas Sowell always said there's a couple of questions you have to ask, and that's uh, in comparison to what, for example, you know? And so we could have uh, tailpipe-free emissions from all of our EVs, but that means the emissions are simply moved off the map to somewhere else, some other jurisdiction that you and I apparently don't care about. We only care about our current local area. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and we don't ever get to weigh the literally trillions of dollars that will go down the tube. R- remember, CO2, for example, was Obama-era administrative um, research mandate that came through the EPA. And um, CO2, we know today by fact, is 0.04% of the, you know, well, it's it, it's four it's four hundred parts per million, and probably the easiest way to uh, to visualize this and, and and someone and this is what I'm sticking with now when people are talking about oh my gosh the rising level of uh, of, uh, of, uh, of carbon is going to kill us all. You take the atmosphere and you represent it by ten thousand ten thousand people in a stadium. All right, we can imagine that, right? We can picture right. that in our mind a ten thousand seat. A theater or a ten thousand foot, uh, a ten thousand um, stadium where people are watching uh, the Ducks game, let's say, or whatever the case might be, ten thousand seats. We can picture that. Four of the seats are carbon dioxide. 
four seats out of the out of all the entire crowd of ten thousand, and then people are going, "Oh, wait a minute, you know that's uh, right. That, that's nothing in the grand scheme it, of things." It, you know, and and that number is only eleven percent of man-made CO two. Mm-hmm. So all of the other eighty-nine percent of CO two comes from natural sources, volcanoes. Uh, the oceans, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we can now say here, Senator, that uh, a lot of narratives are deflating here. And yet, I Correct. have to tell you, though, do you feel a sense of foreboding about this year? And I, and I, I want to bring this up because I had a bunch of friends over and we were just sitting around shooting the breeze over the weekend, right before the new year. And one thing that was common is that just about everyone was saying, yeah, uh, they they feel you know just a sense that uh, things are are you know like the next shoe's about to drop here. Do you have that feeling, or are you more of a happy optimist about where we could be headed in twenty twenty four? Well, for for those of you who read my newsletters, you know I'm not exactly the happy optimist because uh, every corner I look around, there's corruption run deep, right. and um, dishonesty is is what you know. Corruption is fueled by dishonesty, by lack of integrity, by those individuals who want money instead of integrity, et cetera. And we we see this in all the lies that have been told to us um, by government players, by the deep security state, by the medical industry at all. These all of these guys are making money. And um, and so, it you know, you and I probably get annoyed when somebody says it's the Federal Reserve or whatever. But in in truth, that that's it. I mean, as long as the government can print money and pass it out and everybody pretends that it's valid and it's legal, you know, uh, George Floyd got picked up for a um, counterfeit $20 bill <laughs> and and the billions it, 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 of well, counterfeit. Well, it, well, it's too bad that he wasn't a member of the Federal Reserve. He could have just created it into existence and then it's all uh, fine, right? Be perfectly legal. To do it that right. way. How is right? it we send, you know, police cars, black and white units, officers, you know, the whole nine yards over a $20 bill, and yet the government is pushing this into our municipalities, into our universities, into our state legislatures, and nobody, nobody says a word. Well, it's because it's the official com, it's the official counterfeiter, uh, Senator Linthicum. You know, it's the official counterfeiter of uh, of record, I guess. You know, the official one, the permitted one. Hmm. Right, right. Some, some, Somebody ought to create a law that says as long as you have a laser jet in your basement, you can crank out as much money as you want. And is if they limit it to $5 <laughs> bills and $10 bills, um, you know, we, we would never create as much waste and trillions of fraudulent expenditures as the federal government does with one digital um, withdrawal. Yeah, unfortunately, the Federal Reserve is not on the election ballot for this year. Oh, it would be nice. It would be interesting to have that happen. All right. Uh, I did want to ask you a couple of questions, though, as we as we look, because we always want to speak on, you know, so you're not. Particularly looking, are you looking for the next uh, shoe to drop here? Do you do you have a feel about that? Is it just spidey sense, or is it just kind of 
paying attention and reading the news. What's your overall evaluation of the process here? I, 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 this is, this is where everybody gets caught. Remember, we, we have this um, narrative that says you, you tell one lie, you got to make up another lie, and you got to make up another lie, and then you have so many lies on the table, you can't remember which one you told to who and whatever. And then so mom and dad say, don't lie, Junior. And they, they get used to give us that advice. And it's good advice because honesty is the best policy. And so um, what we face today is where all of this house of cards is slowly crumbling. The substack world, the restacking of all these articles, the Twitter momentum and all of those kinds of things, formerly X or vice versa, um, all of those things are coming to a head because everybody can start to see the malfeasance, the um, the 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 tracking, the censor attempts at censorship, even the attempts at DEI or DIE. I think is the better way to do it. And um, Gay at Harvard, uh, you know, she was undone by um, by those uh, private reporters, not the traditional major media, but all the independents that are out there putting <sighs> facts together in a row. All right. That's so interesting. That's what, you know, it's interesting you bring it because you're right about weird. that. You're right about that. Of course, I noticed that one of the re, one of the first things that she said in her uh, in her resignation letter is that I see racist faces. You know, I look around, I see, and you know, in other words, no, it's not because you're being hung by your uh, or hoisted upon your own petard of fraud, right? But but of course, you know, me and you, perhaps, and other people listening this morning, Gen Xers, Boomers, let's say whatever it is, you know, how Boomer or Gen X of us to actually expect honesty and integrity out of people in the uh, elite in the elite corners of the United States, huh? Is that is that kind of where we are at the moment? Well, and and that turns out to really be a big problem. Uh, if we're going to live in a fantasy world, you know, uh, science fantasy books or novels, I don't I don't read those a lot, and so I don't play in that world. But you can just make anything happen because you put it down on paper. And so when we have academics making something happen because they wrote it out on a paper, whether it's climate change, whether it's uh, battery efficiency, whether it's the new future battery on the market, whether it's windmill efficiency, whether it's blowing the dams will save the salmon. Any number of those stories you can fabricate on a piece of paper, and there's apparently nobody holding anybody accountable. And that's because there's government funding for all of these things. So the state, two-thirds of the state budget in, you know, essentially comes from the federal government. The federal government just printed that stuff up, and they sent it. They sent this COVID money throughout the states. Over the last four years, we've been saddled by this mindset that there's free money. All you have to do is write a grant, and writing a grant sounds so beneficent, and <laughs> it's really treacherous. It's a dangerous way to live your life. Well, well the first thing that uh, if we really wanted to reform uh, the American people— is to get us, uh, is it to eliminate the word free? And I know that's going to be really hard in the state of Oregon, given that uh, the voters have voted for free universal health care for all. 
But that'll be a conversation for another time. You know, you well, had... that's actually here. Here's the thing. If we can get rid of woman and we can get rid of man and we can get rid of sex and use only, you know, the all inclusive gender fluidity, um, we should be able to, you know, get rid of free too. you know, there's let's make up a new word for it and start publishing it in the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> all right. Senator, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions here on the on the system itself. Right now, we're in a waiting game, right? When it comes to the various lawsuits that uh, you know that you have, like an example, the one challenging Measure One Thirteen, which has the brave senators who walked out and denied quorum uh, on uh, tender hooks because we don't know, you know, we don't know where it's going to go. Do we? Have, is there any update on that, or is everything just kind of on hold still at this point? Yeah, we we actually um, filed to expedite the briefing on um, on our. Um, one issue and we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, you know, it, you're right though. The, your summary was right. I, I shouldn't even get into it because we're, we're on hold. We're waiting to see what will happen at the Supreme court. There were seven justices there when we were in the court, they all heard half of them had this interested look on their face. The other half of them had a bored look on their face and what they come to after they opine on it for days, weeks, months, or years, we don't know, um, they will come to some conclusion. And so it's out there in the distance. In the meantime, on the ballot is um, Diane Linthicum will be, um, she's been my chief of staff. She's my policy analyst. Well, she's I never see you without Diane, you know? And so well, you, you two yeah, are like uh, one unit as far as I'm concerned. It's always been that the, way. That's right. We think alike. She's great at analyzing these things and understanding them. And and um, and so th the people won't get, you know, shut out as the Democrats in Salem want. Well, the reason why I'm hoping that you're successful on these kind of things, because even if you if the measure 113 thing goes down and I think it was a it was a stupid bill. But of course, we have to remember the unions. The unions and the lobbies, they're the ones that wanted 113 to pass. And I, and I'm, and I can't help but think, though, that uh, the good old boy network, good old boy, good old girl network in the Republican Party wanted this to happen, too, because nobody in the Republican Party even uh, put a, a note. The party didn't even go against 113 in the voters pamphlet. You ever wonder about that? Isn't that interesting? Well, yeah, I, I wrote newsletters on all of the measures, 111, 112, 113, I, I took my shotgun to all of them, and, um, and it never occurred to me that I should put one of those articles, like I should put each of those articles into the voters' pamphlet. I, I was under the impression that people were working on it because they were it was the talk of the town. This was so yeah. obviously against our the quorum that we were utilizing to stop these absurd and you know dangerous bills from moving forward. And now the people that I consider the good old boy, good old girl network here, uh, they they have benefited from this because, you know, look, people like you get bounced out if it ends up going through and the courts go against you ultimately in this. And then we have all of these House members, in my opinion, that did nothing. 
that did nothing to support all of you, right? Did nothing at all, would not walk, would not, oh, we couldn't come to an agreement and this and that and the other. And then what are they doing? They start moving over, either getting appointed to replace uh, senators or, uh, and and um, I, I'm thinking about like the David Brock Smiths, and I, I, I look at what's happening with uh, 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 Christine Goodwin, I think is, is it. You know, they're moving from the House into the Senate. It's just like, wait a minute, these are the people that did nothing, wouldn't even crook a finger. You know, to help the senators. Am I wrong about that in that evaluation? Well, the the hard part is, you know, when it comes to denying quorum, the we could deny quorum because in the Senate, the, it only took 10 of us to oh. deny quorum. Okay. And that's an easier number of wild horses to keep in line. Am I unfair then? Am I unfair then to criticize the House for having done nothing all this time and now moving into Senate positions? <laughs> yeah, know? no, I, I, think, I think the criticism's fair. I think what they really should have done was... At the at the last nine day mark, remember, three hundred and twenty eight bills got passed in the the last you know two weeks or whatever. At the when there was only nine days left till the end of session, they should have walked then. They'd never hit the ten day mark, oh. and they would stop all of those bills dead in their tracks. They didn't have to do it early like the senators did it early to make a stink and to bring negotiations to a head. Which tells me that the House was, for the most part, in on the scam. All right. That, that's and that's my criticism of it. And I hate to say that about my about, you know, people who I've respected within the House. OK, yeah. It, the the hard part is when it comes to this next election, what what do we do ab- about our position in Oregon? How do we gain Republican trust? How do we um, bring good people to office? All of those guys on the street, l- let's say yourself, who are aggravated at what transpired and they want to get a foot in the door, they want to move up the ladder, they think they have good liberty-minded ideas, putting them in office is the hard part because we what we need at, at the local level, you need liberty-minded commissioners where the commissioners don't just do as the state legislators make up the rules all day long, thousands and thousands of rules. They don't follow those rules. They say, wait, we have this avenue. We're going to pursue this. Mm-hmm. Even Jackson County is under uh, you know, a, a home rule thing. They're not part of AOC, et cetera. And so they've got a different um, marching orders because their marching orders are local to the county instead of marching along as a subdivision of the state. On matters of county concern, not all of them, though. And what it needs to be, they they need to change the charter to actually uh, make the uh, county, the body politic, uh, number one in its definition. And that's still something which has uh, not been accomplished or even attempted yet, as far as I know. You know, uh, you know, Senator, maybe one of the challenges here is like I even look at, um, you know, people were I think the, the challenge with conservatives is that it, they're we're just putting out, oh, we need a hero. We hope, need someone to go out there and uh, and save us. You know, that kind of thing. I look at even uh, Jason Beeb, who is the mayor of uh, Prineville, who has declared while well, he's going to challenge uh, Congressman Bentz as an example. You know, he wants to challenge him in the primary. And I'm actually OK with though with those sort of things. But. I would almost have preferred that uh, Jason, you know, challenge whoever's uh, the, the House member or, you know, get into the state legislature, try to save the state and the county here first. 
Because I, I look at almost the Washington, D.C. side of the things as almost uh, unsavable at the moment. Is that uh, a fair assessment of what's going on these days? Yeah, I think I, I, there's, there's problems on both sides. Um, it, what it takes to be a legislator is common sense, a clear mind, uh, founder's values, and, and um, common sense. And so it's not unreasonable for someone to come in at the highest level because there's all kinds of staff members to help you through muddle through. The trouble is, are those staff members that you hire, are they liberty lovers too? Do they believe in the real constitution, not the fake constitution where you're just a yes man for the yeah. majority? Yeah, and I know Congressman Vance, of course, was your former Senate uh, colleague, you know, in the uh, in, in the state Senate here. And there right. are and, a lot of people who are pretty upset about uh, about what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. But I don't, I don't know if uh, if you can fix that at the moment. Of course, I don't know if you can fix Oregon either, for that matter. Yeah, the Young Americans for Liberty is uh, starting at the low level and trying to put representatives in office in the state legislatures so that those representatives are freedom-loving, um, constitutional conservatives, mostly. You know, it's always hard. There's when, when you're talking about several hundred individuals, it's hard to know where do they all stand. But then those individuals, if they get into rep positions, will move into Senate positions, will move into the higher echelons of government and start making legitimate decisions, ensuring that our rights are protected and our liberties are, um, I'll mm -hmm. use the word here, it's kind of a weird word, adored. We should adore our Fourth Amendment, First Amendment, our Second Amendment, and we don't. People think those things are dangerous. The censorship machine is on target because we had the Patriots Act and we violated everybody, everybody in the world, if they had Fourth Amendment rights. Boy, yeah, I'll tell you, Senator, I mean, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, if you could go back to 2001 and all of those uh, unpatriotic conservatives, they were called unpatriotic conservatives on the front page, on the front cover of National Review. Do you recall that back at the time? And they had the Ron Pauls and all those other people that were worrying about what was going on with uh, in the wake of 9-11 you know, back then. Yeah. They were yeah, absolutely right. Well. They were right. All those unpatriotic conservatives were actually the patriots when it comes right down to it. And everybody yeah. that went along to go along with it and voted for it all. And it, 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 look what's happened. And look where we right. find ourselves right now. OK. And when I was a uh, when I was a commissioner, you know, nearly 10 years later than that 2001 event, we passed a resolution. I convinced my co-board members on the Klamath County commissioners to um, ha pass a resolution to urge Congress because it keeps coming up every couple of years and to urge Congress to um, not pass the new version of the Patriot Act because they were just building the armor on the Patriot Act so that was impenetrable by the common man. And we passed a resolution in Klamath County, and I sent that resolution to Jackson. I don't remember how they treated it. We sent it to Deschutes. We were trying to get southern Oregon counties to stand up 
for the constitutional amendments that we pretend to hold so dear and true. And it was a tough go to get people to join in with us on that issue. Well, I'm glad that you've been standing for this. And it's uh, sometimes a lonely fight there, uh, being a constitutional conservative in the state of uh, Oregon. But I look forward to the continuing the conversation. And let's pray that the courts can see uh, things, especially Measure 113, sensibly. Okay. Always good talking with you, Senator. You bet. We'll chat again next week if uh, if uh, you'll have me back. What do you mean, if I'll have you back? What do you think? <laughs> think I'm going to go, eh, I'm going to bounce him out of here. I've had enough of him. Had enough of Dennis, all right? Hey, thank you, Senator. Be well. You bet. Blessings to you guys, and um, we'll see you as this year progresses. State Senator Dennis Linthicum on KMED and KCMD. It's uh, 737 KMED, KCMD. We're going to be talking with... Uh, <laughs> Kevin Starrett, Oregon Firearms Federation. I'm really looking forward to a good conversation. Actually, some pretty good news. Some pretty good news on what's happened with uh, Measure 114, that fight. And I'll tell you more about that coming up. Jay Austin and Company, gold and silver buyers in Ashland and Grants Pass. Been big fans of them, and I hope you are too. And they've got a brand new website that we're continuing to just push and push. And you need to check this out. It's really easy to use. FortuneReserve.com. Now we're into the new year. Unfortunately, many of the same old problems and stresses, just like I was talking about with uh, Senator Linthicum, that's all bubbling under the surface. And many people wanting to prepare for what if. You know, I was telling you about being with those friends before New Year and all kind of saying, you you got a weird feeling about 2024. Yeah, yeah, we're all kind of feeling the same thing, all right? Uh, yeah, certainly nothing wrong with, with being prepped, storing food and water, what you need in life. But you might consider storing a form of wealth, too. Physical gold and silver has been very boring just sitting there. You know, it doesn't it doesn't sit there and make headlines. And that means it's a great reason to tuck it away just in case. All right. Physical gold and silver, great local company, J. Austin and Company, FortuneReserve.com. Gold and silver has a long history of helping people build long-term wealth. The big money understands this because even as they're telling you to go into the stock market, I'm talking about the big money, right? The big money people are always, stock market, stock market, stock market. The funny thing is, is that the big money understands, like the world's central banks and countries, they're still buying up gold. Huh. Why is that? If, it, if it's absolutely useless and it's boring and it just kind of sits there. Hmm. Well, think about it. Take part of your portfolio. Talk to your financial advisor, but then take, maybe take part of your portfolio and do this, all right? Physical gold and silver from Jay Austin through FortuneReserve.com could be part of your wise financial plan this year. And they make it easy. FortuneReserve.com. Again, FortuneReserve.com. Find the gold and silver and platinum you need. They can even deliver it to your door. Jay Austin and Company, gold and silver buyers, 1632 Ashland Street in Ashland, 6th and G in downtown Grants Pass. Again, FortuneReserve.com. Here at American Rancher Garage, we respect and support those individuals who currently or have previously served this great country and our local communities. As a small token of our respect and appreciation for their service, we extend our heroes discount to all active or veteran military personnel and to our active or retired first responders. There is no way to completely repay your dedication to the protection of our country and communities, but we will do what we can. Hi there, it's Jeff with Quality Tree Service. As we look forward to spring, now is the time we offer our best rates of the year. Winter is also a great time to prune your trees because they're dormant and waiting to wake up and grow in a healthy way. 
So give us a call and get a no obligation quote. I think you'll be impressed with how affordable it is to get your trees shaped up for spring. Quality Tree Service offers senior and military discounts too. Find us at qualitytreeservicemedford.com. Millette Construction has been a general contractor for 40 years. For the last 20 years, they've specialized in foundation repair and replacement. If you have sloping floors, cracks in walls, and windows and doors that are hard to open, you have a foundation problem that's only getting worse. At Millette Construction, they not only fix your foundation and level your house, they solve the water problem that's causing the damage. Get on solid ground. Call Millette Construction for a free estimate. Visit MilletteConstruction.com. CCB number 32787. KMED, KCMD News, sponsored by Millette Construction, specializing in foundation repair and replacement. Get on solid ground by visiting MilletteConstruction.com. Good morning, I'm Marcus Veal with your NBC5 morning news update. Oregonians can expect a new tax to be tacked on this year. The Oregon Department of Revenue says a 988 coordinated crisis service tax will be added to the existing Oregon Emergency Communications Tax. This new tax comes from Oregon House Bill 2757. It adds 40 cents per subscriber line to telecommunications or voiceover internet protocol to the existing 911 tax. This tax rate will be effective for all billings and purchases of prepaid wireless service. The existing 911 return will be modified to include the 988 tax. BLM is getting ready to close public lands and roads near the J.C. Boyle Dam. As of Tuesday, the Topsy Campground and the J.C. Boyle Dam Access Road from Topsy Road to J.C. Boyle Powerhouse Road will be closed through winter of 2025. That's because the removal of the J.C. Boyle Dam is set to begin this month. Last year, the first of the four dams was removed and the others were prepped for 2024 removals. Good news for bargain hunters, a popular Japanese discount chain is coming to Medford. The village at Medford says Daiso is on the way. Daiso is a family-owned company operated out of Hiroshima, Japan. They sell a variety of goods from Asian snacks to stationery, beauty products, household staples, and more. No word yet on a timeline for an opening. And that's a look at your morning headlines from C5 News. I'm Marcus Veal. Have a great day. This hour of the Bill Meyer Show is proudly sponsored by Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros and Full Service Auto Repair. Hi, it's Jolene at Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros. If you're wondering about the condition of your tires, stop in and we'll check your tread level and give you an honest assessment on wear and your ability to navigate wet, slick roads. And if you need new tires, Phoenix Auto Center has a great selection of top brands like General, Hercules, Cooper, Continental, Falcon, Mastercraft, BF Goodrich and more. For the best tire prices and service, see your local family-owned Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros on Main in Phoenix. Hi, it's Scuba Steve with Bicoastal Media and KMED. Today I'm chatting with Nick Jones, the principal of Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Thanks for talking with me today. Nick, should folks be concerned about long-term care? Actually, long-term care is a topic we all need to think long and hard about because today people are just simply living longer. In fact, 40% of all Americans will spend some time in a care facility of some sort. And one solution I find myself recommending is life insurance with a long-term care benefit rider, also called asset-based care. We use this solution because the premiums are consistent and the benefits never decrease. So again, consider life insurance with a long-term care benefit to help you with those needs. Once again, this is Scuba Steve sitting with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. 
If you have questions like these or others, schedule a strategy session with Nick at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Again, that's jonesfinancialtalk.com. If you're remodeling your house, start with the foundation. Millette Construction offers a no-pressure, thorough inspection of your home's foundation and a no-obligation estimate if your house needs work. The foundation is most important because all of the repairs and upgrades you're planning from the floors, windows, doors, cabinets, even the roof, can be affected if your foundation is unstable. Be sure you're on solid ground. Millette Construction will level your house and correct the shifting soil problem. Visit MilletteConstruction.com. Hi, I'm Jim with the Beauty Mark Salon and Glitter Bar, and I'm on KMED and KCMD. 744, we're proud to have Kevin Starrett back, um, Oregon Firearms Federation. Of course, uh, no compromise kind of guy, which means that sometimes he's very lonely with everybody else wanting to compromise on everything. <laughs> but Kevin, welcome back. Great to have you on as always. Good morning. Thank you, Bill. All right. Harney County, the Measure 114 case, Judge Rascio. Tell us what happened yesterday. It was a beauty to, well, it was a beauty to observe. Apparently, there was a lot of judicial beauty going on, right? Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun to watch. You know, I, I want to say something going in though. There's, I've gotten so much mail from people about this because we did an alert about it yesterday. The success in, in the courtroom. I just want to make it clear that a lot of people think somehow that Oregon Firearms is responsible for this, and we're not. I mean, gun owners of America are the people who have been funding the, the state case, that's, and, that's and right. they got to get the credit for that. And I and I sometimes, you know, in my in my haste to get an alert out, don't don't always make that clear. And I I've, I've tried to. The fact is, is that you know, obviously our case is in federal court, right. and that will go on until the end of time. But the the victories here definitely go to GOA, and, and they, they really need to get the credit for that. That being said. Uh, you know, this was a strange procedural thing because the the, the court ruled and had you know said that 114 was unconstitutional and had a, and, you know created a permanent injunction against it, which of course will be appealed because the state has your money. And then the the state came back and it basically objected and said to the court, "We disagree with a whole bunch of the things you said, and we want to come into court and object to those things." All right. So the state lawyers then come in. The state lawyers that we are forced to pay through the gun to our head, but of course that's a state gun, so it's a benevolent gun. When the state gun is at our head, you know, to pay them taxes, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so the state lawyers are there arguing what? What kind of points were they bringing up that uh, the judge had to uh, shoot down? No pun intended. Well, they had, they had a number of objections, and you know the press has done a well, a somewhat adequate job. Not certainly not the the, the Oregonian and that troll Max Bernstein, but uh, they had a series of, of objections that were largely absurd. My favorite was when they and here's the other thing is that once again, gun owners in Oregon were represented by one person, Tony Aiello, who goes into in, you know was, obviously this was remote, but was arguing this alone against. Three state-funded state lawyers, okay, all right, all, right. Of, all of whom got to argue some tiny little part of it because you know they're you know two hundred thousand dollars a year. We don't want them to do too much work. So one of their objections was that that the the court had determined that magazines are a necessary component of a firearm, and of course they are. They're not. They're not an accessory. They're not something you can choose to have or not have. Yeah, yeah. The magazine, the magazine is an absolutely essential part of the firearm. Without the magazine, the firearm is just a piece of metal. That's it. 
That's all it is. Exactly. And, 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 and the state was arguing that magazines deserve no protection because they're accessories and therefore they're not, they're not protected by the Second Amendment. And to, to back up that argument, Anith Jindal, one of the three lawyers who came to spend your money, said his argument was, well, there are muskets. You know, muskets don't have magazines. I mean, and it's so on its face <laughs> but, idiotic. But it's not this. It's you, not the same firearm. It's not the same type of, of firearm. Course not. You know, you know, as as we said, and as Tony, attorney Tony Aiello made the point yesterday, said, like you could argue that barrels are not protected and that triggers are not protected because none of those and stocks are not protected because none of those things are firearms. Those, but. They're, but they're not accessories, they're components. And if you just take each piece of a gun apart and, and put it by itself, yes, it cannot fire around. But when you put them together, then you have a firearm, but you need to have all those parts to do it. And so that was one of their arguments that, that magazines should not be protected. But what, it was, what was obvious was that the state had no case here at all. And Tony Aiello just dissembled them, just took them apart. I mean, this this young guy is really a rising star in gun rights, I think, because, I mean, he immediately has the grasp on every every rule and every law and every regulation, and he pulls them right up. He makes great arguments. He's really done a fantastic job alone against the state. And so it was obvious that they're just grasping at anything. And you look and you say, okay, so what was the point? What was the point? They, they probably knew going in. That if they went in and told the judge, look, Judge Rashio, you're stupid. Everything you decided was wrong. You know? <laughs> that, that probably um, wouldn't have been uh, received it, very it well, right? It yeah. wasn't going to be as successful, but it was successful. It succeeded in doing exactly what the plan was. And what the plan is on the state is to bankrupt the people who are protecting gun rights. Oh. And there's nothing to stop them. Because, you know, you've got to remember, I mean, lawyers cost money. And, and, and they, you know, no matter how no matter how much they try to, you know, accommodate their clients, they still have to get paid. And there is not an endless sea of money on the on our side. You know, when you put it that way, that is uh, still of, of concern, because imagine if uh, we had to continually hire lawyers to be able to speak amongst ourselves freely. You know, which we're well, well, we're still able to do at this moment, uh, but yet, well, they, yeah, really, they're attacking that. They're attacking that too, I suppose. We're not able to speak freely amongst each other anymore because now you can be punished, put in prison, and attacked for speaking things that the state does not like. I mean, we see this over and over again. Hmm. And if they can't put you in prison, then suddenly the IRS shows up at your door, or you're attacked some other way. But the, this is clearly they figured this out, and this is what's happening nationwide. There's so many cases involving Second Amendment that involve uh, pistol grips and and uh, bump stocks and and uh, partially manufactured or unfinished receivers, all those things. And many cases, our side has been winning, but nothing changes because the state, the government has an endless supply of money, which they can extort from you or simply print, as you and Dennis were talking about before, to simply invent more money, which we can't do. And they all are slowly bankrupting anybody who stands up against them. So why continue to have these meaningless procedural activities, which they know in that case are not going to be successful? Well, as you said, though, the real purpose was to once again bankrupt gun owners. Right. Yeah, I mean, we see the same thing happening to Trump. 
Now, Trump has more resources than most of us do, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have endless resources. And so this is what the left is doing, is trying to eliminate any choice that the people have to decide what they want to do with their lives, who they want to elect. This is what they did to the senators. This is what they did when, when Rob Wagner you know, said, you've got unexcused absences, and now the people do not get to vote for who they want to have in office. And if, you, if you're afraid that the people are going to elect someone you don't like, you just take them out of the running. And this is what the left has done nationwide and in Oregon. But obviously what the, what the plan here is, is to just endlessly confront people with legal battles they can't win. And what we've seen, I, you know, there's been some interesting research into this lately, is that in a lot of cases, prosecutors will confront people who really haven't committed crimes and said, we're gonna, we will convict you of this. We will convict you of something. And what we'll do is we'll pile on like dozens of charges that are completely irrelevant, which you cannot, no possible way, afford to fight. But if you cop a plea and only go to jail for seven years instead of 70 years, we'll let you do that. And that's essentially what happened with January 6th, the January 6th prisoners. Well, that's exactly, well, if they even got a trial. Now, I mean, look what's happening in Oregon now. We have a hideous mental health situation. We don't provide mental health for people who are mentally ill. So as part of that, part of our crime explosion is a result of that. So when somebody commits a crime, well, they're not prosecuted. But if, they, if, if it happens and they're mentally ill, well, we can't hold them because they don't get a speedy trial. So a person who's dangerously mentally ill is released back out onto the streets because the judges, in some respects, correctly said, look, these people are entitled to a speedy trial. Mm-hmm. Oregon has no public defenders. They don't have the ability to provide a trial, so these people are released. But if you went to the Capitol on January 6th and were simply there, didn't even go into the building where the police invited you, you sit in solitary confinement for years without a trial. Now, how is this legal and constitutional? It just is not. It's, and, and this is what's happened, is that you know people who think, oh, bad things are coming. You know, you've said that before. You know, what, what bad thing is going to happen in 2024? Well, maybe the fact is the bad things are already here. Maybe yeah, that's they're already it. here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you've angered the wrong prosecutor, and that's it. I mean, it's it's unimaginable to me that the Republican members of Congress, who know this is happening, who know that these people have not been given the chance to even defend themselves, are sitting in solitary for years. And I know I had a conversation. I think I mentioned this to you. I had a, a conversation with the chief of staff for Congresswoman. Lori Chavez de Reamer and said, what is wrong with you people? How do you allow this to continue? Where is the outrage? And I got this line of crap about, oh, we're going to have hearings and there's going to be committees. It's like, and it just never happens. When our country has been invaded completely, we are totally, we are at war right now. And the people in charge are determined to crush what's left of this country. And the Republicans in Congress who should just say no, Nothing moves in this building until this crap stops. Are just sitting on their hands because, as you pointed out yourself, they're all in on the grift. I mean, Cliff Bentz, you know, great conservative, he just voted to give the crooked FBI a, you know, billion-dollar new headquarters. What the hell is wrong with these people? You reward criminals yeah. who are in power? And yet, and, and yet, you know, are they all— are they all in on it? Now, I know Jason B. I, I mentioned Jason B. and people are wanting me to talk with him, and I probably will. But uh, my thing is I'm, I'm tired of dealing with the Joe Ray Perkins 
of the uh, of the Republican Party too. It, it's like it, it seems like the ones that would actually want to do something different are you know people with no money and no organization. You know what I'm saying? You know well, that, that seems to be what we're dealing yeah, with right now. And this is definitely a big issue: is how do we recruit people who are principled, ethical people? When there's several problems, first of all, they're going to come up against the buzzsaw of the establishment money. So yeah. that's problem number one. And the thing is, and you have to have money. It's like when you're running for Congress, let's say, or even if you're running for, you know, in, in the state of Oregon now, period. The idea that, uh, that they're, they're going to do grants, that you're going to do grassroots and you're just going to, you know, take a few bucks from here and there and this and that and the other. You're not going to get anywhere. It's just that's just no. the reality. We're not running for student council. See what I'm getting at? You know, that kind of thing. Look at what it, look at what it costs to run for school board in Salem. Yeah. You know, these races are costing over $100,000 to get a school board seat. So, hey, we had $300,000 plus uh, on each side with uh, with Senate races here in Southern Oregon. Easily, you know, a while back. Easily. You know? So you've got, you got the money issue coming up against the, the, the cartel's money. And by the cartel, I mean the, the establishment. You know, the, the drug cartel in Southern Oregon is a whole other problem. But... The, the cabal and the, the establishment. And then what happens is when you have candidates who really are good people, like like uh, John Woods or Nicole DeGraff, mm-hmm. who step up and say, OK, I'm going to put myself out there, and not, not for any kind of personal game, but because I believe in, in the people of the state. And then, then they run into the Republican machine, the caucus, which says, oh, no, no, we're not going to have any independent thinking conservatives run. And so... Nicole DeGraff gets shot down by House Republican leader Vicki Breeze Iverson and her husband, who makes money off the candidates that Iverson recruits. She gets shot down, a strong, principled conservative constitutionalist, to put in place Charlie Conrad, a, quote, Republican who votes to surgically mutilate, sexually mutilate children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, with friends like that, who and, needs the Democrats, right? Exactly. So the chosen ones of the Republican, the Republican caucus establishment are the ones. I mean, I had multiple candidates tell me that they would. Now, Iverson's no longer Republican leader, mm-hmm. which, you know, behind the scenes, she probably is. But multiple candidates say that they were approached by Iverson at candidate events. And she specifically said and this is not a paraphrase, said, when you get elected, you will do what I tell you to do. And when they said, no, wait a minute, that's not how it works. Boy, it's over. You know, and I've seen this happen. I've seen candidates, you know, candidates who like DeGraff is a perfect example, who was specifically told, we will crush your campaign because you took money from Oregon Firemen Federation. This is Republicans doing this. And let's not forget, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I was, you know, was talking to Senator Lithicum before. It was a joy to hear him. Remember that Dennis was the target of other Republican senators when he became a Republican Party officer. That, that Hansel and Finley drafted a law to make him a criminal. To I, you, know, I, him. you know, I forgot about that, Kevin, but you're right. This is absolute insanity, and this was promoted by Eastern Oregonian trolls who were unhappy that their people were voted out of leadership in the Republican Party, and new blood came in. You know, Herman Bartschager, Dennis Lithicum, Dallas Hurd came in, and of course, the cabal crushed Dallas Hurd. But here's what happens. You get these people get voted into office because the, the, the grassroots wanted some new ethical leadership, which clearly they felt they did not have. And Hansel and Finley 
draft a law to turn those, their colleagues, their conservative Republican colleagues, into criminals. It was insane. Crawl into bed with the left. And so, you know, it's pretty damn hard to take on the enemy when your own people are fragging your tent. And that is what's happening in Oregon and has been for a long time. But you're right. How do you get a good candidate to step up knowing that, there, I mean, Ben Edel, who ran for Senate and ran against Rob Wagner, actually. And early on in his campaign, I talked to him a lot. And he goes, oh, Kevin, you know, the caucus is helping me. They're going to give me money. Yeah. And I said, I said, you know, I don't think so, because you took a donation from us. And he goes, no, no, they're actually really going to be on our side. Well, once the donation from us was actually reported, then they got a hold of him and said, oh, you're done, man. You're screwed. You know, the, the, the Iverson clan let him know he was toast. Let me uh, ask, maybe this is um, where we shift where we shift the emphasis. Because I, I, at this point, I look at the federal government as a semi-lost cause right now. I really do. You know, it's like doesn't matter who the, who the Congress critter is. Certainly doesn't matter who the uh, senators are right now. Senators, you know, as we know in the state of Oregon, they are what they are. Um, and the state legislature appears to be a semi lost cause right now too, except for those that are part of the cabal. You know, the uniparty, as the uh, as the case might be. All right, is it only our counties? Is it about saving the counties at this point? Is that you know the the next step here? You know, I would like I would like to say, okay, here's a great plan for how we do this. But as you and I have discussed, there's so many obstacles in the way to ethical people getting into office. And and look, it's you know, it's no dream job. You know, it's people who desperately want to hang on to that office no matter what, like David Brock Smith, you know, all the people who will who will literally lie to your face. You know, oh, I didn't vote for tampons in the boys room, you know. Lie. Yeah, I know. Over. And you can and you can look it up on Olus, right? <laughs> and see the well, vote. You can watch the videos of it sitting there in the hearings, you know, ignoring mm. what was going on. But you know, when you when you're faced with people like that who, who like will constantly complain about how underpaid they are, right? Except for the multiple, you know, twenty five thousand dollar donations he gets from businessmen in California. But they'll constantly bitch about, oh, we get paid so badly, but man, they don't want to leave. They just don't want to leave because, you know, people who accomplish nothing in their lives all of a sudden have a nice office and people coming to kiss their ring. It's it's really not a great job for somebody who really wants to just live their life and, and make a decent living. So it, it really takes a special person to, to give up a better life to go serve the state. And so it's a lot to ask for someone to do that. And when some an ethical person comes along who really does want to do that, then they face the Tim Canopes and the Iversons of the world who are basically always in it for themselves. And how do, how do you compete with that machine? So it may well be, and you know, you and I have talked about this for years, that the county may be the place where you have the most accessible representatives. One of the problems is, is that a lot of county commissioners' races don't get that much attention from, from, from the voters, and they're critical seats. And so you do have a lot of, especially rural counties, where you've got a lot of old boy networks who are the commissioners who basically just go along to get along, will never, ever confront the state. Or you have certain agendas, you know, chambers and various other things that, uh, you know, really are not out there, you know, looking for 
uh, you see liberty and restricting things. It's more like, uh, okay, how can we get uh, the grift, you know, in our neighborhood? You know, that, that sort you know, of that's thing, right? Exact, that's exactly true. And that also colors their decisions when a legislator retires, resigns, or leaves for some other reason. Mm-hmm. And the county commissioners get to pick who the replacement is. And they do it based on, I mean, when, when Mike Nierman was kicked out of the legislature, the PCPs in, the, in, that, in that district picked him as their favorite candidate to replace himself. And when he, which was never going to happen, of course, but when he appeared before the county commissioners to make his case, he said, look, if you want someone who's just going to guarantee that I bring the bucks back to your county, I'm not your guy. That was such an unusual position to take. You know, but what do we see is that county commissioners are picking and, and, and sometimes, you know, I know like in Clackamas County, when they picked Christine Drazen's replacement, who turned was James Heave, who who really is trying to do the best job he can, when they picked him, they specifically picked him because they wanted to torpedo another candidate who was actually like the perfect candidate, a good, successful, conservative Christian guy. But they also were convinced, this is Tootie Smith, who's the county chair, were convinced that he could never win re-election. Hmm. And they were going to replace him with their chosen one, who was a Christine Drazen acolyte, who, who the PCPs would not consider for the seat. So that's the one they really wanted. So they picked James thinking, oh, he'll never win a re-election, and then we can, we can import Lisa Davidson into that seat. And they screwed up because he did win re-election, you know, which is not, was not supposed to happen. But that points to the importance of really paying attention to who your county commissioners are. Now, whether they will ever stand up to the state, it's hard to say. You know, they're, they're afraid of the state. You know, the state has the force of the laws they create, and, and you see how— the state uses their power to punish counties. You know, like when they want to institute tolling, they want to institute tolling in all the areas that are not, that are somewhat Republican. You know, they want to punish people in districts that haven't voted for them. Yeah, exactly. All right. Kevin, yeah, Kevin, it's, but you see, you're making it clear to me even more so than when we first started talking that the county, though, is the focus. The county has to be it has to be the focus because trying to fix it from the top down is not not working, you know, at this point in time. Well, be- I think I told you, I think it was 10 or 15 years ago, I was invited out to a meeting in Baker County and I was speaking at Baker City. And this is the point I made. I said, look, the legislature is probably a lost cause. You have to work on your county commissioners. The county commissioners have to stand up. And that was kind of the thrust of my presentation. And when I left, I I walked out of the building and a woman followed me out. And she said, Kevin, I understand your point, but can't the state crush us? And I said, yes, but they're crushing you now. You can't log, you can't fish, you can't hunt, you can't can't ranch. And now they they want to take away your ability to work, period, because they're going to take away your diesel trucks and tractors, which is really borderline insanity. You know, you travel through eastern Oregon and travel through I-84 and look at these billions of dollars worth of turbines that sit there doing nothing. Doing nothing, yeah, that you paid for. And and, and when they spin, they kill birds. And then if they spin at all, then they create too much electricity and have to be shut down. A massive, disgraceful boondoggle. What do the counties have to lose? And I've been saying that for, you know, a decade now because I really – the legislature is controlled by Portland. End of story. That is not going to change. But the commissions are still – the counties are still controlled by the people in their counties. And if the many co- counties outside of the valley 
were to start standing up and saying, no, this crap isn't going to happen, then I believe things could change. But it really would require that the voters have uh, pay a lot of attention and make really high demands of the county commissioners and say, look, when you get there, are you going to say, I'm going to start, you know, if, you know, I like to say, if the only tool you have, have is a hammer, you better start breaking stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is really the job of the county commissioners. Can we get there? Well, you know, great stuff happens, but people do have to pay attention. All right. Kevin Starr at Oregon Firearms Federation. You know, it's an interesting thing. We start with uh, State Senator Linthicum and, of course, talking about the challenge of getting good people. But now we understand that maybe the focus is still, even at this point, on the wrong offices at this point. And, uh, you know, can you reform from the top down? Has it been working so far? Has been working so far. Appreciate the call as always. And uh, thanks for the good news, though, on Measure 114 and at least the judge uh, continuing to uh, stand firm. I'm glad to know that some people can still read the law and the Constitution. It's a pleasure. Okay. Yeah, it's a great victory. Thank you, Bill. All right. Thank you very much. OregonFirearms.org, 8 after 8, KMED, KMED, HD1, Eagle Point, Medford, and KCMD Grants Pass. Also, translator K294AS Ashland.